This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good. Wow! That's when you have fun. When you're kicking somebody's ass and they're sucking for win. That was good. Ready? Let's go. Inbounder on the baseline. Crowd. And a steal! Last chance to dead! Welcome into the award-winning Action Network podcast. I'm your host today, Brendan Glasheen. The NCAA Men's Tournament rolls on the Sweet 16 starting Thursday. And today we are surfing the player prop market like we did last week. But today, eight games to discuss between Thursday and Friday. Joining us, some familiar faces and voices. Sean Kerner, Director of Predictive Analytics at the Action Network. One of his team members, Nick Giffen. He is also an Action Network Predictive Analyst. Doug Ziefel, he contributes over at the Action Network. And joining us this week, Mike Calabrese, who is also an Action Network contributor. Gentlemen, great to have you again. Uh, excited to go through this slate of games. They're getting even better as the weeks go on, as we know. Let's just quickly go around the horn here. Sean, we'll start with you. Based on how things went for you last week and some reminders, some things you're keeping in mind as you look at the player prop market for the Sweet 16. Yeah. So one of the things I learned was just, you know, fine tuning my process uh, ended up going 25 and 10 in player props. So I guess the lesson was to trust the process. Um, But I noticed that uh, a lot of the bets I lost were earlier in the week before I had a chance to really dive into the matchup. Um, So my main lesson is, you know, if our projections stick out, that's that's one step in the process. But taking that step further is uh, Nick and I, you know, we examine every matchup and see what lines up, what makes sense. Um, Once it, you know, gets through that process, then it's good to go. So it's just fine tuning the process overall. Nick, how about yourself to piggyback off that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Sean and I talk every day about props uh, and, you know, when we are on the same prop, we are actually 15 and four. Uh, so it's really fun. like Sean said, fine tuning that process. We both got better as the week on. And when we were on the exact same prop, the exact same line, 15 and four. So make sure you work with your, your friends, your colleagues and, and get all your analysis done, not just by yourself, but maybe with a friend or a, or a group. Doug, how about you? Some reminders, some things that you learned from the round of 32 and the round of 64 last week. Yeah, definitely going forward, especially here with the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight coming up, a big thing to consider is personnel matchups. You know, competition is going to get tighter and it's going to be tougher to see your stars go off like they used to in earlier rounds in the tournament or conference tournaments. Mike, we didn't have you on last week. So just your general approach to the player prop market, especially in this tournament. At this time of year, I think it's very important to separate out data that's just not useful. And in a lot of cases, when you have these mid-major teams that may be you know, top 25 in terms of rim rate, defense, things like that, but they haven't played against true seven-footers who have a great skill set, I'm already visualizing that Purdue versus St. Pete's matchup. It's important to be able to separate out useful data from data where it's just it's not apples to apples. So I think that's important to keep in mind. And also, just you know, as a broader look at the tournament, this remains a tournament where guards win the day. You know, Oscar Shibwe absolutely eats against St. Pete's. And then in the end, he's not able to carry them to a victory. And I think in a lot of cases, you're going to see that moving forward where guard play comes at a premium. You know, the usage, the the ball always being in these players' hands, you know, in, in the crunch time, the crucial moments down the stretch. I think you need to fold that into your analysis and your predictions. Excellent. Great stuff. Let's get to some picks. We'll start with Thursday. We've got the West and South regions in action, both in San Francisco 
and San Antonio, respectively. Sean Kerner, we'll start with you. You're eyeing Duke, Texas Tech. What do you have for us? Uh, yeah, so first prop I love is Paolo Banchero under four and a half assists. Uh, you can get it at minus 165 right now at DraftKings. And don't let this price scare you away. This this prop should be like minus 300. Uh, he's, you know, stayed under this number 77% of the time this year. Um, Duke averaged 80 points a game. However, this matchup, you know, they're going against the number one ranked defense and uh, efficiency per Ken Palm and Texas Tech. Uh, and their team total is only 68.5. So, you know, I'm projecting, we're projecting him closer to three assists here with about a 78% chance of staying under, which is in line with the season pace. So love getting him at uh, minus 165 to go under four and a half assists here. All right. Yeah. And he was kind of held in check in those games. You mentioned the Michigan state game, more notably just four assists uh, for Bancaro in the two tournament games. We'll move to Houston, Arizona. Sean, we'll stay right with you. You want to eye Josh Carlton. Yeah. So I like the over five and a half rebounds at minus minus one thirty over at DraftKings for Josh Carlton. Uh, this is a fascinating matchup because Houston loves to play slow. Arizona loves to play fast. Uh, and Arizona can be vulnerable to offense, giving up offensive rebounds. They gave up 20 to TCU on Sunday. Um, and the reason they give up so many is that they try to push the pace. So they clear out immediately, uh, allowing for teams to get offensive rebounds. So Josh Carlton ranks fifth in offensive rebound rate in the entire country. Uh, so he gets a bit of a boost in this matchup. And, you know, the faster pace should give them a few extra chances at a potential rebound. So we're projecting Carlton closer to six and a half rebounds and a 63% chance in going over five and a half. So love getting him at minus 130 here. Yeah, if you look at rebounding margin, Arizona this year allows their fair share. And that's right to Sean's point. They play at a faster pace, which can lead to more misses. Let's welcome in Mike once again, Mike Calabrese. You've got thoughts on Carlton, but you're going to take an under here. Yeah, when you talk about ability, the only ability I care about in this prop is, you know, availability. And it comes down to how many minutes he's going to play. He's played 20 minutes or fewer in five of his last 10. And that's because in half of those games, he's had four more fouls. And yes, I think Arizona is vulnerable on the glass, but they are going to be able to throw bodies at him. Coloco to Bellis, Balo off the bench. I think that's going to be able to bother him as the only true big on this Houston team. In a lot of cases, they like to have four guards on the floor. He's the only starter over six foot eight. So I think he's going to have some issues with foul trouble. And if he does, Going over that 10 and a half becomes very difficult to foresee. He's not a guy who, you know, puts up a lot of shots, has to be highly efficient, has to shoot over 60% for me really to be worried about this going over the 10 and a half. And at minus 115, I don't mind the juice either. I'm fascinated to see how this game plays out from a prop standpoint, but also the pace of play as we've discussed this game. It's just, it's two very different teams, uh, a complete 180 in terms of pace. Arizona wants to speed it up. Houston wants to slow it down. Doug, you can jump in now. We've got Zags and Arkansas West region game in San Francisco. And you're eyeing uh, the Zags who have that highest implied team total. No surprise there projected over 80 points. The only team projected over 80 points. You are eyeing someone who can knock down the three. Yeah. My first prop is going to be Julian Strother over one and a half threes. You can find that at a nice price of plus plus one twenty at DraftKings. Now, when you look at Strother, he hasn't exactly gone off to a great start in the tournament. He's 0 for 9 from behind the arc and through two games. But what I noticed there is the volume, and he also has history on his side for positive regression. Strother is a 37% three-point shooter, and if there's one place that you're going to get Arkansas, it's from behind the arc. They're 122nd in three-point percentage allowed. Good stuff, yeah. And I think you know he made all three of his threes just a few games ago against St. Mary's in a big spot in the WCC title game. So... 
It's a couple of tough games, uh, and still the Zags. Uh, Tim, it was Timmy's night the other night in the comeback against Memphis. Who's to say that it's not uh, Strother's turn? Doug, we'll stay with you for Arizona Houston. We go back to that game, and you're eyeing a rebounding prop. Yeah, I'm gonna har- I'm gonna target uh, Dalen Terry's over three and a half rebounds, minus one thirty five at DraftKings. If you look at Terry, he averages five rebounds a game, and he's went over this number in four straight games. Now, Houston is a great offensive rebounding team, and that's where Terry's going to do most of his work, grabbing defensive boards. And Sean touched on with Carlton. Uh, Carlton and White here are going to be dealing with Tubelis and Coloco down low, so that's going to leave a lot of boards for Terry to scoop up. All right, we're flip-flopping a bit here. My fault was supposed to go to Nick uh, to discuss the <laughs> same player, Julian Strother, but you, you like Strother too, Nick Giffen, to... Not only, I mean, perhaps he's going to need some threes to get to his point prop for this game. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the thing with Strother is if he's going to make two three-pointers, then he's probably also going to go over his points prop. So you can get a, a, a over 10.5 at minus 110 at DraftKings, but I actually like the alternate point uh, of over 11.5 at FanDuel, and you're getting plus 104 there. We actually have Strother projected for... Uh, over 12 points, actually, around 12 and a half. So in addition to everything Doug said, um, you know, if Strother scores two or more three-pointers, he's averaged 14.7 points. When he scores exactly two threes, he averages 13 points. And even if we take the eight games where he's made two threes and his two worst one three-pointer games, he still averages 11.6. So uh, I really like getting the over on Strother, tagging off of Doug here. High team total, so there aren't too many matchup concerns in this situation. So if he's going to go over one and a half threes, he's probably going to go over 10 and a half or even over 11 and a half points. So just to clarify, Doug is on Strother over one and a half made threes plus money on DraftKings. And then Nick piggybacking off that likes the over alternate line, 11 and a half points plus money on FanDuel. So another situation where we're targeting the same game here on this Action Network episode of Player Props for the NCAA Tournament. Nick, we'll stay with you, sir. You are now going back. We we started the episode in terms of picks. We started with Texas Tech and Duke, and you're going to look on the Texas Tech side here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I have Kevin McCullough over two and a half assists, and that's actually even money on DraftKings. And this was actually the first prop I picked out all week here. It, it just, it caught my eye. Um, even before we had this prop up at action labs that stood out to me. So we have McCullough projected for 3.4 assists. Uh, first of all, he's getting a minutes boost. He's returned from injury and now he's going to see him probably over 30 minutes. Duke also matches up perfectly for him to get a lot of assists. They foul at the second lowest rate in the nation. So 88% of points scored against Duke come from the field. That means more assists. Duke is 217th in defensive rebound rate. So if Texas Tech can grab some more of those rebounds and kick them out, maybe there can be some second chance assist uh, opportunities. Duke doesn't force turnovers. They're 309th in turnover percent. So more Texas Tech possessions will end by way of a shot. So all of these things are just more shot attempts, more assists. And even when Texas Tech makes a field goal, Duke allows a higher assist per field goal made rate than the national average. So this is just a perfect setup here for McCullough to go over this two and a half number. Less fouls called on a coach K team in his final hurrah makes, makes too much sense. I mean, that was what stood out in that Michigan state game down the stretch, like no calls against coach K. What a surprise there to keep the magic going for the Duke blue devils. Moving on. Uh, Mike Calabrese is going to hop back in Zags hogs, West region and San Fran. What do you got for us? Another three point prop. 
Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a high scoring game. And honestly, I think this number is affected by the overall look at the beginning. I said, you know, comparing apples to apples. Gonzaga has gone under in their non-conference game eight out of the 15 times. But I don't care about that. I care about when they're playing up-tempo teams. And when you look across their non-conference schedule, Bama, it blows by the number by 10 points. Memphis just in the last round by six. And then in the WCC down the stretch, Santa Clara, 26 in pace, goes by 34 points over the closing number. Pepperdine, 44 points. Portland, 19 points. Here comes the Hogs, 28th in tempo. They're not going to be able to resist running up and down. And Stanley Umude, over two and a half threes at plus money, plus 125. I love this one. Across his last 12 games, he's averaged six and a half three-point attempts per game. This number has hit in five of his last seven. And really, I think when you get into the, the micro element of this, what does he like to do? It's the catch and shoot threes. According to shot quality, he's in the 90th percentile nationally in open catch and shoot three opportunities. Gonzaga struggles with spacing defensively, 254th nationally, and that leads to them leading, leaving shooters wide open from three-point range, 132nd nationally, according to shot quality. So it's all folding together for me. I love this, and the fact that I'm getting a little action on my money makes it all the better. Yeah, it's a good call. Zags are one of the top teams in pace in the country, and Arkansas is not too far behind. Top 30 in the nation in pace, up and down game. Highest total on the slate at 155. I'm reading right now over on DraftKings, so could be an up and down affair. And Arkansas has proven that it can knock down the three uh, when it needs to, to keep up with a team like Gonzaga to stay in that game. We are moving on to Friday of the Sweet 16. Again, you're locked into the Action Network podcast. We are dissecting the player prop market with us. We have Sean Kerner, Director of Predictive Analytics. Nick Giffen is on his team. Nick is here. Doug Z, Phil, Mike Calabrese, is their Action Network contributors. Brendan Glasheen, great to have you joining us. We move to Friday's slate of games. Friday, we've got St. Peter's, Purdue, Providence, Kansas, UNC, and UCLA, Iowa State, Miami. Uh, we got more action on the Thursday games, as the guys mentioned off the top. A little earlier in the week, you have a chance to really process things. And once we get closer to Friday, keep an eye on these guys on their social media accounts when they've got a little more of a feel of what's going on. But, Doug, we'll start with you. Uh, we're going to go to Kansas Providence for these first two picks. Doug, you've got one for us in the rebounding department. Yeah, I'm eyeing Jalen Wilson's over six and a half rebounds prop. You can get that for minus 135 at DraftKings. If you look at Wilson, he averages 7.2 boards per game. And he had 14 boards against Creighton, taking advantage of a lot of their injuries. But if you look at this matchup, Providence, for all their glitz and glamour and the wins and everyone saying they're lucky, the one thing that they don't really do that well is rebound. They're 99th in offensive rebounding rate and 140th in defensive rebounding rate. But I even dug a little deeper here. So Providence's main rebounder is their big man, Nate Watson. Mm -hmm. And if you compare Watson to Jalen Wilson's uh, rebounding rates, Watson has a 7.9 offensive rebounding rate to Wilson 6.1. But the gap is flipped and it's much bigger on the defensive end. Wilson is a 21.8 defensive rebounding rate versus Watson's 13.3. So in the end, Wilson's going to wind up with more defensive opportunities and should have a good chance to go well over this number. Sure. You know, as someone who has a Kansas future, I'm a little bit more interested in the Jayhawks this year. I do notice it's kind of feast or famine with him to a certain degree. And when he does mm -hmm. hit over on his numbers, he has four digit rebound gains just in the last month. Do you advocate at all potentially going on an alternate line if you can find it to get plus money? Yeah, I mean, definitely. That's a great idea. As here, like I said, with Watson, the thing is, he's uh, Wilson's going to be at a size disadvantage. But you look at Watson, he's not really a great rebounder overall. You know, he only averages what? 
four to four and a half rebounds a game. And you might even have McCormick factor in to take him out of a lot of defensive rebounding situations. So the reason why I didn't opt with McCormick is because his minutes have been varying depending on foul situations and opponent. So if McCormick is on the floor more, there may be even more opportunities for Wilson. Watson at 5.3 per game, but look at his game logs. Richmond win, four rebounds. That was a blowout, to be fair. South Dakota State, three rebounds. Creighton, one rebound. And Creighton was in the another blowout game in the first round of the Big East tournament. The other factor, too, you got to consider when you get all that size, Kansas just along the front line, just more size. Watson foul trouble situation, too, is something to keep an eye out for. And that was a, that's been a huge problem for Providence in all of their close games. Because, again, if you, if you tell Providence fans that they're lucky, oh, my gosh, they will lose their minds. But, yes, I think for, for Watson's sake, he better stay out of foul trouble. In your case, Doug, you hope he kind of gets in foul trouble because that could pave way for Wilson uh, for a big night on the glass. We're going to stay on this game, Kansas-Providence, the Midwest region in Chicago. Nick Giffen has a pick for us, and I'm looking forward to this one because, man, there is a big, big, big number here, sir. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually looking at a player to score the most points in this game, uh, and that's going to be Ochai Agbaji. Uh, we have him, so th- this line is at plus 300 at FanDuel. We have him uh, actually scoring the most points about 42% of the time. So that would be fair odds at about plus 140. So plus 300 is like a great line. Uh, we have him projected for 17.8 points. And the next closest player in the whole game on either side uh, is Christian Braun at 13.4 projection. Now, there are some concerns with Igbaji. He's, his scoring has been down lately, but it's not because of usage or minutes. Uh, this year, he's been used in 24% of possessions, and he's hit that 24% number or more in each of his last five games. The problem has been his efficiency. In eight of his last nine games, he's been under his season-long average offensive efficiency. Still, he was the leading scorer in two of those nine games in the whole game, and three times he was a leading scorer on his team, even with an efficiency hit. So any return to his mean efficiency will give him a really good shot of becoming the leading scorer in this whole game. There aren't really any particular matchup concerns here. He's an all around guy. He can get it done from three, can drive in and hit a two pointer. He'll get to the line a lot. So uh, I really like plus 300 on FanDuel when we're, you know, saying about one and a half to one is fair odds. Remy Martin's been their guy off the bench the last couple of games, but with Providence and their guard depth, I think Martin can be, canceled out potentially and I like the pick to go to a to a bigger guy to have a a big night and also the Jayhawks they've got a high implied team total across the sweet 16 you got the Zags and then you got Purdue Sean we moved to Purdue and you're going to go to the star player on that side for a similar prop yeah I'm also sticking with the top score market here and I'm taking Jaden Ivy for Purdue to score the most points in the St. Peter's Purdue matchup at plus 160 over at FanDuel um, so starting on the St. Peter's side, you know, they only have a team total of 60 and a half right here. Uh, and they play with a very deep nine to 10 man rotation. They're 40% bench minutes played uh, ranked 17th in the country, according to Ken Palm. So they, they love to tap in their bench and that makes it tougher for one individual player uh, to have a ceiling game. So I don't think it's going to come from the St. Peter's side on Purdue side. Jaden Ivey is their leading score. Uh, now the two players with the best shot about scoring him are the two big men. Uh, Zach Eady and Trevion Williams, but both players only play around 20 minutes. Um, so that lowers their ceiling a tad. They kind of have to go off in their limited playing time, which could happen to an undersized St. Peter's team for sure. But uh, the last 10 games, these two players have combined for two games of 20 plus points, whereas Ivy is five games of 20 or more points. So uh, we're giving him around a 50 50 chance of being the leading scorer of this game. Uh, and you can get him at plus 160. So that's a steal. 
Very nice. And like I mentioned, Boilermakers, they have an implied team total of 74. That's right behind Kansas. That is the third highest of the 16 teams playing this weekend. We're exploring the Friday market to take us home. Mike, we'll go back to you. Mike Calabrese, you've got uh, an eye on Miami, Iowa State. Cameron McGusty over 16 and a half. It's actually only minus one of six over at FanDuel. And I think this is a bit of recency bias. He's gone over from three-point range during the NCAA tournament. I see a positive regression on the horizon for him. But then when it comes down to Iowa State, they have the fifth-ranked defense, according to Ken Palm. And you do have to squint a little bit to see any you know vulnerabilities when it comes to the Cyclones. But here's the thing. On open catching threes, McGusty is 90th percentile in the country. Iowa State defending them 108th nationally. Miami also the most efficient team in transition in all of college basketball, Iowa State 79th in transition defense. And really what Iowa State does is by the combination of pace and being aggressive and taking the ball away, they limit those possessions. Miami is great with ball security. They have no issue, you know, breaking press and keeping their turnovers into single digits because that's exactly what Iowa State did. 19 turnovers against LSU, 17 against Wisconsin. That's how they crack those two teams. So I see them making the most of their opportunities. McGusty burying a couple threes and then really looking for the comps when they played against, you know, elite shooting guards, Johnny Davis, 17 points, Terrence Shannon Jr. 15 points right at the cusp of that number. Akinjo 20, Abaji 22 points. I like what I see. And then finally, in terms of facing top 50 defenses in the ACC, there was only three this year, UNC, Duke and Wake. You know what he did in those games? He averaged 19 points per game. So I think this is off by about a point and a half. And I'm happy to take it under that minus 110 all the way down to minus 106 over at FanDuel. Good stuff. Yeah, Miami taking care of the basketball all season long. Number six in the nation in fewest turnovers committed per game. Gentlemen, awesome stuff. Great work. Good luck. Very interested to see how this plays out. As Nick and Sean shared, they had a great week last week in the round of 64 to get the weekend started. So we look forward to seeing how you guys do this coming weekend, again, you got four games Thursday, four games Friday. So once again, I want to thank Sean Kerner, Director of Predictive Analytics at the Action Network, Nick Giffen, Predictive Analyst at the Action Network as well, Doug Zephil, and Mike Calabrese. They are both contributors at the Action Network. Be sure to check these guys out over on the social channels as well. They do great work for us here at Action Network. My name is Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for tuning into the Action Network podcast. We'll be back again next week to get you set for the final four, baby. So we'll be here for the final four and maybe even look ahead to the national championship game if and when we can break it down to figure out what exactly we can be eyeing in the player prop market. But looking forward to it next week on the Action Network Podcast. 